My name is Lynn McTaggart. Welcome to my podcast, Living the New Science. In these podcasts, I'm covering some extraordinary discoveries by frontier scientists and other new thought leaders, and why this changes everything we think about how our world works and also how we should live our lives. It's so great to see you, Dr. Sue, and it's great to see everybody else out there. We've got a load of people live on this webinar, and we also are cross-posting live on Facebook. So lots of people will be watching us today. And Beautiful. Yes, I'm so thrilled to be here with you, Dr. Sue. And by the way, for the two people in the entire universe who don't know who Dr. Sue is. She is <laughs> a remarkable healer. Uh, she's a master of bioenergetic medicine. She is a quantum field visionary, which I really love. <laughs> and, um, she is just an extraordinary healer. And that's why I thought this would be a fantastic conversation diving a little deeper into healing and exactly what healing is and how we access healing. Because both of us do some very interesting and different stuff with energy work. And for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Lynn McTaggart. I'm the uh, best-selling international author of seven books, um, like The Field, The Intention Experiment, The Bond, The Power of Eight. I run a thing called the Intention Experiments, and also I'm a big fan of my Power of Eight groups, which is using small groups to heal. So let's start looking at self-sabotage, Sue, um, because I'm sure that you see this all the time in energy work. People who are have a certain condition, you can see the condition, but they are blocking the path to healing. Can you talk a little bit about that? How does does this happen? Sure. You know, there are a variety of ways to speak into this, um, into this topic. And it's an amazing topic and a significant one for most of humanity, because basically what is happening is we are vibrating energetically. First of all, we are made of energy. Everything is. Uh, We are presences of energy that are that are streaming and folding over on itself and constantly rejuvenating and replenishing. And we have the opportunity to constantly be raising our vibration by letting go of old things, beliefs and issues that have us um, functioning in a particular way. And, uh, And we either take that opportunity or we don't. We are either intimidated by it or we are not. And, and here's what happens. We, we tend to, Um, become familiar with a vibrational frequency that we are used to vibrating at. We've been holding on to things that we don't even realize on a conscious or mostly subconscious level. And it creates a certain vibrational frequency to who we are, who we perceive ourselves to be, how, how it is that we feel comfortable because we feel familiar. And so when we have a new idea or an innovation and we want to step into that new idea, it's going to change our vibrational field. And so often the subconscious will actually sabotage stepping into this new idea if we are, um, if we're noticing that it's starting to raise our vibration. At the subconscious level, the subconscious mind thinks its job is to protect us, keep us safe and alive. And, and so as long as nothing changes, 
in, and you were safe yesterday, then it pretty much assumes you're going to be safe again tomorrow as long as nothing changes. However, we want to change. We want to evolve. We want to grow. And so when we do, we start to change vibrationally. So the subconscious will actually sabotage the progression into this new vibrational state in order to keep things status quo. So we have to show it how to um, feel safe inside the change and the shift that is occurring as we are stepping into a new version of ourselves. And there are many ways to do that, but um, consistently, incrementally surrounding ourselves with others that will allow for our intentions to shift and to up-level uh, is a way that we can start to feel buoyant and safe in a new vibration. We can do all sorts of things um, internally within ourselves to facilitate that process as well. But this thing of sabotage is seen as a bad thing and it is something that we can actually utilize to, to generate a new version of ourselves once we recognize that that's what's happening and it's nothing more than that. And all we have to do is familiarize ourselves with a new vibrational frequency that we're intending on, on, on our next version of our, of our grand journey uh, through life. So I'll stop there and see where you want to go with that, Lynn. But as you can see, I, I'm pretty passionate about these things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. And, you know, you brought up the idea that we're all energy. And, you know, we are energy, we're vibrating packets of energy. And of course, we're I'm interested in is thoughts being another kind of energy. And believe it or not, we have 70,000 thoughts a day. 70,000 of them. And just what you said, what feels safe is also that that pattern that we tend to fall into and those tapes that we tend to run in our minds. And those tapes are usually tapes from the past that continue to play over and over again. And as you say, they make us feel safe, but they also limit us. And one of the interesting things I find about the power of intention is people don't get that they're broadcasting 24 seven. Right. They think their intention is that one little thing they do after they meditate first thing in the morning, they send this out, universe hears it, and that's it. They don't recognize that what they're, what they're also doing is beaming out all the time. Our thoughts aren't locked inside our heads. They are an energy that also is a trespasser that goes outside of them into other people and things that also invades every cell of their bodies. And so if that program is that record player is playing over and over again with the same message again and again and again, that's going to affect how they uh, heal. It's going to stop them from healing. And, you know, we should also talk about healing as, you know, healing is not the why they got sick, you know, or their sickness, their diagnosis isn't the why they got sick. It, their diagnosis usually has nothing to do with why they got ill. And most of the time, what we really don't recognize is our thoughts are, are a saboteur probably the biggest saboteur, our thoughts and also the thoughts of our healers in making us well, because we are constantly playing that old tape, whatever it is, I'm not good enough, nobody loves me, I can't do it, it's too hard, whatever that is, 
that's happening, that is the why you got ill. And that is the area that needs to be healed and become, and for you to become conscious of it. So you talked about, so you've got to get people to vibrate to a different frequency. What do you do? What are some of the ways that you are able to do that when somebody is actively resisting? Or if they're, you know, if you know they are sabotaging themselves. You know, one of the things uh, that that happens is that people start to live in their head and they don't even realize they're doing that instead of living in their whole body, because the body will automatically be a filter to allow or a buffer as well to allow shift and transformation to happen in a more comfortable fashion. Our minds tend to work in all or nothing, yes or no, good or bad, black or white. I'm in, I'm out. You know, if this isn't going to work, I'm done with this, this kind of thing. And, and its job is to make distinctions between things. And so when we live in our heads, we have a tendency to be pulled into a life that is good or bad, yes or no, right or wrong. I'm in, I'm out, etc. And it's a terrible place to live. It's a difficult life to navigate when things are so harsh and so compartmentalized in this way. And so one of the things that I'm always doing is teaching people to utilize the body to help to buffer because the various levels of consciousness that we are, are actually stored in the body. They actually make up the body vibrationally um, at different layers of consciousness. And if we're not living in our body, we don't even have access to those aspects of our wholeness that would allow us to you know, pause. Just wait a minute. Let's just see. I realize that you're all worked up about this thing, but before I get all worked up about that thing, let me just feel how I really feel about what's going on here. Rather than jumping into my head, drawing the conclusions to either agree with you or disagree with you and get up in that battlefield of of duality again. So one of the things I'm always encouraging people to do is to draw their breath deeper into their body, into the belly, make sure they're not living here in the upper lobes of the lungs where we are activating fight or flight and taking action all the time. When we draw our breath lower into the belly, we are oxygenating our bloodstream faster. We're activating parts of the nervous system that are responsible for creative genius, not reactive fight or flight. And we are allowing our deep core wisdom to start to surface into our environment where we're trusting our gut or following what's in our hearts or being able to determine what has heart and meaning for us. And when we're living there, we make different decisions. When we're living there, we feel like, you know, I just got to do this. I don't, you know, even though it scares me a little bit, I'm so I'm doing this no, no matter what. I can feel that this is my path. So getting people into the body allows our thoughts to have less of an influence on whether we're going to take action or not. It's sort of like, it's okay to have beliefs, just don't believe them quite so much right? It's okay to have beliefs, just don't like react to them all the time because the mind is constantly evaluating and trying to assert, is this good? Is this bad? Is this safe? Do I do this? Do I not? Do I belong? Do I not? Am I accepted? Will I not be? And it's a madhouse up there. And if we can draw our attention lower into our hearts, into our bellies, into the deep wisdom center that is even below the navel, we start to infuse and activate and animate additional energies 
that will contribute to our decisions and our felt sense about new vibrations creeping into our system based upon what that mind is deciding to do. When the mind is paying attention to what's going on lower in the body, wisdom starts to have an influence on the types of thoughts that the mind is attracted to. We're lowering our frequency into alpha frequency, which actually allows us to elevate in a grounded, integrated way into high frequency energies without feeling intimidated. But if we jump up in there with into those high frequency inspired thoughts and try to go make them happen, but we don't have a sense of grounded stability behind us, we have a tendency to have a false start. We'll jump into our New Year's resolutions, and by February, we don't even remember what they were. We do all sorts of things that that are uh, well-intended, but considered um, a sabotaged situation, a, a discontinuation, an incompletion in our lives if it just doesn't feel safe. And so when you're speaking about disease and how we heal and diagnoses, et cetera. You know, I was raised in an environment that was in this conversation 60 years ago. And uh, all I've ever known is the power of our disposition, our come from, and the influence that it has on our ability to heal and to stay well and to become younger all the time. And, and this is how we're designed to be functioning. However, our subconscious beliefs and our knee-jerk reactions and our habitual ways of being have us interpreting life in a filtered fashion that doesn't allow us to really feel and sense and perceive what is what it is that we're actually made of. And, and what we are actually made of is the healer. But when we're living in our heads, we are not identifying as the healer that we truly are. So some of the things that I'm doing is constantly getting people to learn how to anchor themselves in the body, how to feel and sense that they are located there. It's sort of like, you know, if you're sitting in your car uh, and then, you know, if you're sitting in your car with your seatbelt on, you know, the difference, how it feels. And, and so uh, it's sort of like that when we're buckled in, when we're landed and anchored in this body, we feel differently. And, you know, here's the problem. You know, a lot of people that are attracted into you know these sorts of conversations are really intelligent, bright people who have made a way for themselves. They've made things work even when the going was tough. And you know they're they're intellectual in a lot of ways that are wonderful and serve them in so many ways. And that same disposition when it comes to healing might not be working. We have to be in a little bit more of a surrendered state and a trusting your gut instead of depending on your education to get you through, that there's a combination of those kinds of energies that have to work together in order for us to truly be living and walking and talking in a sustainable fashion that allows us to not create the symptoms that end up being called the diagnosis, that end up categorizing us in some particular way. There's a way to slide underneath that and just kind of dissolve it on an ongoing basis so that we don't end up depending on the diagnosis to tell us who we are when the diagnosis, as you were mentioning, is just a name that we've given to a group of symptoms that are persistent. But the reason that those symptoms are persistent is how we're running the energy through our bodies and through our lives. That energy is determining whether we are self-healing and self-regulating or whether we're headed into trouble. And the symptoms are just trying to show us, hey, you're headed into trouble. 
But then we go to the doctor, we get a diagnosis, and now it's all about the diagnosis, as you were saying, that is what we think is the reason that we're feeling sick, but it has nothing to do with that. That's just a name that we've given to the condition that the body has progressed itself into that is a byproduct of how energy is running through our system. And the number one thing that, that determines how the energy runs through our system is how we think on a conscious and subconscious level. And, you know, that's exactly what you're saying. I'm just trying to tie it all together again so that everyone really starts to have this working knowledge of, you know, I don't have to be afraid of a diagnosis. I don't have to be freaked out about this name. In fact, all I need to do is learn how to move the energy through my system in a way that allows my thoughts to soften and my availability to be enhanced, to feel and sense where I'm leaving myself out, where I'm duping myself, where I'm not, where I'm ignoring or denying the deep wisdom that I'm truly comprised of and uh, live a life that's filled with healing and rejuvenation. Absolutely. And what you said, uh, there were several great things you said, and one of them is the healer within. And that's the thing that we don't really get anymore. We've been conditioned out of understanding the natural abilities that we're born with. And certainly what I've been looking at now for several decades is the power to heal ourselves, each other in the world, the power of intention. And we talk about that as being mind, but in a funny way, when we've done brainwave studies on people doing intention, particularly in a group, their mind is turning off. They're tuning into something else. They're tuning into the oneness of the group. And that's where healing happens. So as you say, it's moving past this constant thinker that is constantly sabotaging and also recognizing, first of all, that we have this capacity. We're born with this capacity, everybody. It's not just the uh, purview of the gifted. We all have this, but and we know this when we're children. We know this when we're very, very small. We realize the extraordinary powers we have, not only to heal, but to see beyond our senses, to predict, you know, we have precognition. We have all of those things. Uh, but, you know, we have authority figures also who tell us, no, this is only your imagination. You don't really have that. And so we then begin to deny it, doubt it, deny it, and then we're diminished. And so in a sense, what you're saying is, too, we're, we're re-acquainting um, ourselves, we're, re uh, we're, we're getting reacquainted with who we really are. Mm -hmm. And who we are is this extraordinary being with the capacity to self-heal. There is no equipment, piece of equipment on the planet that does this. You know, right. we are not, we're, we're something more grand than, you know, a batch of electricity and chemical signaling. We've got that capacity. But as you also said, you know, the problem is we live too much in our heads. And what I've discovered, too, is, you know, we are bombarded with about a million and a half bits of sensory data every day. And we've got just millions of things flooding in at us. And we, our minds are story makers, you know, 
Joan Didion said that wonderful line, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. And one of our big stories is our scientific story. But also on a small sense, what we do is we tell the same old story all over again. And we don't recognize things because when we get into a pattern, it's the only thing we see. Even though we get all of this bombardment of information, we can only take in a tiny percentage of that. Our eyes, the fastest muscles in our body, still can only take in a tiny percentage. And we see the pattern over and over again. I'll give you a wonderful example. My friend, a friend of mine I went to university with, she is an heiress. She is a doctor. She married a wonderful guy. They had a lovely child. But she was one of those people who always saw the dirt under the diamond ring, you know, the giant carrot diamond ring. She'd see a speck of dirt under it. She was just one of these people who always saw the worst in things. And we went on a holiday together with them when we were all really young and we couldn't afford very much. And we got this amazing deal to go to the Amalfi coastline. Amazing. We stayed in this extraordinary hotel. Brian and I just saw this ex amazing, amazing, special, special deal that we got. My friend complained about the traffic noise through the whole week. That's all she could see because that's all she'd conditioned herself to see over and over again. So one of the things that we have to do, certainly one of the things that I do with people who are sabotaging themselves is get them conscious of what it is they're thinking all the time so they can start becoming aware of how they are sabotaging themselves, the sorts of patterns they have created and the reason that they continue to pick Mr. Wrong or to pick a job where they're abused in some way, they are taken advantage of, or to not have quite enough money all the time. Or, of course, you know, the big one, to be sick a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So part of it is really becoming conscious of that, that, those 70,000 thoughts and how much of the time they are negative. Most of the, my students on my master classes are shocked when they find out what they're actually thinking, particularly about themselves and their bodies and what they're thinking about their health. It is, it's shocking, it's demoralizing, and it's basically self-sabotaging. Absolutely. You know, when when we start to take an inventory about how often I think a doubting thought or how often I don't even think the thought, but I have this idea that that thing probably won't work for me or that group probably won't accept this thing that I'm doing or, or, or I probably, you know, I don't know if I am worthy of this, that, or the other, the, the number of times that those types of dispositions take over our actions and determine what we do or don't do is astounding. And when we start to take an inventory about that in these 70,000 you know, um, um, perspectives, that, that we see that we are filtering, we are guarding, we are keeping life at bay, all in an attempt 
to actually not feel a, a pain that is uh, perceived that we would feel if we went ahead and tried something and it didn't work. The pain that is perceived that would be experienced there is somehow seemingly worth our not even trying uh, in order to avoid it. And the fact of the matter is, it is actually a deeper, older pain that we're trying to avoid. And it keeps us from ever being alive. Basically, as high frequency energy beings that we are, we come in vibrating at this at this frequency that is not what this earthly existence is made of. And we sort of land, and I describe it like we sort of splat. We lose consciousness. We forget who we are. And our mind goes one way, our body, our breath, it all just gets dispersed. And that experience in that moment is a huge impact. And we spend the rest of our lives trying to avoid that impact, trying to avoid that feeling. Again, we never want to feel that. Now we assign images to that vibration. We call it abandonment. We call it all sorts of things that we experience through the course of our lives. And we start trying to dodge and avoid those things because we have it framed up in our mind that that is probably gonna lead to that feeling again that I'm, I'm not willing to feel. And in reality, all we have to do is learn to breathe down into our body because the brain in our gut and the brain in our heart actually supersedes the brain in our head when it comes to perceiving and receiving information from the universe, this cosmic intelligence that is arriving right to the surface of our cells you know, in, in billions and trillions of notions every millisecond of our lives. And so, so we have to learn to absorb and, and perceive and exchange at a gut feeling level, at a heart of hearts level. And, uh, you know, and a beautiful thing about that is that by design, we're built to do that by our true nature. And, you know, you were speaking earlier about the fact that we are all designed to have this intuition, this inner knowing, this healer within. And, you know, I teach the same thing to people every day. I'm constantly showing them a variety of ways that we can enhance that and turn it on. And 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 I had to smile when you were speaking, when you started speaking about the authorities that tell us that, no, you don't have that. It's just your imagination. And, and, and that it's such a duping because... Um, our imagination is a part of intuition. It allows us to see what's not yet there to be seen. But that's how what that's what painters do when when they come to a blank canvas. They're seeing something that's not really there yet, and they're creating it. And we are made of that same creative energy. We're here to perceive and imagine, and then generate a life that is based upon what it is that we would create if we were given permission to. Well, you know, permission granted, we say. So so if permission was granted. <laughs> Granted, um, then what would you do if you just got past that first barrier, if you just stepped on through? And I had to smile because it's like, you know, I was, uh, I, I, I take people on sacred journeys around the world and into sacred sites and all sorts of things. And, and, um, and I love that when we arrive at some of these places, that it is so obvious that the truth cannot be contained, that we're just, we're going to come up, this creativity is going to come up and out of us, no matter how much we are told that, you know, otherwise, no matter what constructs get put in place to try to manage people in particular ways, you just can't contain the truth. You cannot suppress the truth forever. 
And this is one thing that I would love everyone to know today is that, you know, what what is happening here in this conversation is we're we're stirring the you that doesn't really get stirred in the outer world all that often. We're stirring it. We're tapping it on the shoulder and saying permission granted. Allow, allow yourself to to allow this creative essence that you are to come out and to exchange in ways and in places where it is welcomed, where it is nurtured, where it is uh, confirmed and allow yourselves to to believe in what you feel instead of what you've been told, because you're made of the entire universe compressed into body form and the truth the greatest truth is the universe, right? So you're made of the greatest truth. And that truth is trying to find its way up through you into your conscious awareness so that you can manifest it, so that you can honor it and celebrate it and create it in physical form. So when we're trusting what's in here more than what we're, than we're trusting when we turn on the news and all that kind of thing, we're actually in touch with a greater source, the greatest source on earth. We're in touch with the cosmic intelligence that we are made of. So when those billions of bits of information are, are coming to us, what they're doing is activating those billions of bits of information that you're actually made of. And when those two connect, there's no stopping you. There's no stopping you. So in any way that you can find yourself in an environment to allow that to be reverberated and enhanced, then, then do so. Because once we start to turn this on and turn on our awareness to it, there's no stopping you. That idea of sabotage melts in the face of the passion that starts to rise up and out of you when you're seen and when you're heard and when you are known. And that means when you are trusting you and being able to stabilize that truth that is rising in from within you, because it's the healer. And it's the creator and it's the orchestrator of the life that you would love to be living. And, uh, you know, and we're here just trying to like tap it and turn it on so that our humanity can, it can take its rightful place in the creation of our life experience rather than just feeling like we have to dodge, dodge things all the time and survive and just get through and, and, uh, and do all we can to just make it in this world. It's, we are destined for a much greater role than just that. And, you know, this is what I love Lynn about the work that you do and the research that you bring forward is, you know, this, the power of intention, the power of clarifying what really matters and, and enhancing this power of creativity. You know, I teach that the mind magnifies whatever we put it on. And so what, what, you know, we're doing in the world is saying, well, let's put it on something that really matters. Let's put it on something, you know, on the self uh, and, and for the community or for the groups that we are around and, and within. Let's, let's hone and harness that and allow it to become a potent presence on the surface of this planet so that we can have an impact on how things are going. Because too much of humanity is living in their heads, thinking there's lack, they're fighting over it, they're arguing about who's right and who's wrong and who has the right and who doesn't. And all of this can be shifted if we just get planted and grounded and embodied and collected in a way that creates the potency that can pierce those veils that have been you know, set up through ignorance or control or whatever it might be. Um, that we just don't, we just don't allow the belief that the truth can be contained to exist anymore because, you know, 
it can't be. And uh, we have the opportunity to be a part of that, you know, in our lives in real time. It doesn't have to be that we create a better world so that future generations only have a better place to live. You know, we, we can we can benefit from that, too, right now, as well as leaving a better leaving it better than we found it uh, for future generations as well. Absolutely. And so what you basically said, too, was, you know, hey, we are living in lack and competitive individualism. And that is probably one of the reasons we're so ill, too. We were never meant to be competitive or individual um, in the sense of being alone. Um, I, I wrote about that in my book, The Bond. I wanted to answer Darwin. You know, was Darwin right? Were we meant to be, you know, survival of the fittest, eat or be eaten? And the resounding answer was no. We were always meant to be part of a bigger whole. We need belonging more than we need to breathe, actually. Um, I love one researcher said, if we were animals in a zoo, it should say, does not live in isolation. Because we do need connections so much. And when you talked about, um, you know, people essentially um, realizing they can move past these this negativity, these patterns. For me, one of the big fast tracks is for people to discover themselves in a group. Um, the science shows definitely people are more ill and more likely to be depressed when they're isolated and they're focused on the self. And so what I've seen with my power of eight groups is instant healing. Oftentimes when people are focused on somebody else, it's quite amazing. It's quite extraordinary. And also people healing because suddenly they have a group of people who are listening to them. There's Andrea, a woman in my class, my master class last year, um, talked about, my God, this is the first time I feel like I've really been heard. Like people are interested in what I have to say. They're interested in healing me and sending intention to me. And my, one of my favorite stories is a guy called Jerry from last year and the year before. He joined during lockdown. He joined my, I have a year long Power of Eight Intention Masterclass, where I teach people for a while, put them in groups in their time zone um, of their of the time of their choice for a whole year. And they have to meet week by week in the year. And while we monitor what happens and have clinics to work with people, so they really master this stuff over the year. And Jerry joined in 2020. And he said, at the end of it, he said, you know, I have felt more love than I've ever felt. I'm having the best lockdown because I have this amazing community I meet with every week and the compassion is just amazing. So he loved it so much he joined the next year. So he had another group on top of continuing to meet with his 2020 group. And by the end, he said, I now know what love is. And so this isn't, you know, we haven't talked about this yet, but this is an element that seems to be so key in healing is connection. And I've not only seen it um, with my power of eight groups, but, you know, thousands of people now I've seen essentially instant healings. I've had two people get up out of their wheelchair. 
um, and I've had countless cases of cancer get reversed almost instantly. Um, we had a woman, Leanda, in our masterclass last year. She was getting intentions from her Power of Eight group while she was in the hospital. She was on her phone in the hospital bed and they would do intentions for her leukemia. Her, her numbers were off the charts, terrible. And she's now in total remission and her doctors are stunned by this. And so I see this all the time. Um, I see people with, I have Lori who, um, she was told by her doctor, she was going blind. Um, and she had, and she was told this for eight years, she had detached retinas and they said, there's nothing we can do about it. You're going to go blind. She did an intense, she did intentions with her group and she's cut 20, 25 vision now. It's extraordinary. We, you know, she was in our last year's class. We have see this all the time. And what I think is the real secret sauce here is the connection, is the community connection. Um, and its capacity not only to heal the body, but also to heal the mind and heal trauma. One thing I was really interested in was work done by a woman called Barbara Fredrickson, who is at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. She started doing studies of people doing altruistic meditation, meditation for somebody else. And she found that very quickly, it regularized our most important nerve, which is called the vagus nerve. It's the biggest nerve in our bodies. It starts in the neck, winds its way through the whole body and all of the organs. And it controls and regulates our sympathetic nervous system. And you talked about fight or flight and freeze and how, and they are aspects of the nerve of the, of the whole vagus nerve system that tell us, yeah, you should run from this bear or you should freeze or you should fight it. But in people who have trauma and self-sabotage, oftentimes, particularly people with some sort of traumatic experience, which is almost everybody on some level, um, that vagus nerve gets disturbed. And what she found, which was so extraordinary, and I started doing more research on this, is the vagus nerve and the trauma has the ability to heal with community, with small community. That is community safety connection. That's the third level of the vagus nerve. And it has the capacity to heal trauma. Even with, you know, they've seen young people who have had a very poor parental upbringing. So they have problems with attachment. That can heal in the power of a group. So for me, one of the real fast tracks here for, for healing so many areas of the body and mind is a group, and particularly a group where you're doing something for someone else, you're healing someone else. That capacity that we have to do that and to, as I usually say, get off of yourself, can have this extraordinary rebound effect. Hmm. So absolutely. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, so tell me about unblocking blocked energy. Tell me about some of the techniques that you find are so effective. 
So one of the things that happens when someone has a gut feeling, like uh, like they're around someone and instantly they have a knot in their stomach or they hear someone say something and it's their turn to speak and they get a clamp down in their throat or tightness in their chest. So the reason for those bodily responses is because the energy that is attempting to flow through the body in a streaming fashion is, is not able to be carried across a gap or a chasm that we don't have the circuitry aligned yet. We haven't awakened to certain parts of us. Actually, I have probably here a quick little poster I could show um, that will describe this kind of a little faster. So the way the energy runs through our body is it comes down through the body, hits the earth, is transformed down, stepped down into you know a vibration that I would call for human consumption. And then it rises up through the body and out through the crown and recycles around. And this biofield is supposed to constantly be flowing in this fashion and constantly um, you know, being rejuvenated or added onto, and then it's utilized and spent for healing and activities, et cetera. There's another smaller version that you can see in around the heart. And these are measurable fields in, in the biofield. But what happens with most people is they this energy descends, hits the earth and rises up And because we don't feel connected or we don't feel worthy or we don't listen to our guts, this energy has to find its way through whatever circuitry we have in place from an electromagnetic energy standpoint and whatever circuitry we don't have in place. And so it picks up a wobble when it's having to go around here and it generates a distortion in the energy field. So So basically this person is looking here out through a distorted energy field and they see a world that doesn't care, a world that it validates that they're not important, they're not significant, it sees a different reality. And so what we have to do is get this one functioning like this one again and uh, many things support that. What you're talking about being in community, that energy reverberating back and forth, this person getting different feedback from people who are holding intentions for them is going to help to shape shift this a little bit. But here's another thing that I'm doing is teaching people to notice what's going on in here. Because when you get a knot in your stomach, it's because this energy is hitting this area and then having to go around it or hitting this area and having to go around it. So when we get these cues from the body, what I'm encouraging people to do is to to notice it and start to pay attention there. And to continue to work with it by, they learn about anchoring themselves in the body and squeezing different muscles to allow themselves to feel this and to start breathing through this area. So for short today, what I would suggest that someone can do is just hug the area. If you feel a knot in your stomach, hug the area and then start breathing up and down this central channel while you're hugging on the area that if it's in your stomach, you squeeze your stomach. If it's in your throat, you kind of squeeze the muscles around there and start breathing through the central channel. Because what happens is our consciousness then starts to align and alight to this same thing. And in the midst of this, we start allowing the energy to flow more freely. And a byproduct of that is we start to feel more connected and we're more potent in helping others. So if you're in a group of people that is trying to help each other, your potency and contribution to that group is going to be more clarified, less distorted. And 
a byproduct of that is the feedback that you're going to get is one of greater clarification as well. So people are reverberating back and forth and their energy fields are influencing one another by being more uh, aligned and, and embodied in this way. And so that's one of many things that I do. But, you know, the main thing is that we that we stay present and that we don't just jump into our heads and allow our thoughts to try to drive what we're doing in terms of healing ourselves or being a healing presence for others that we allow, as you said, with your research, the mind starts to become less active and our field starts to take over and do the healing that it would have been doing if our mind hadn't been duping us and shutting us down in all these various ways. And the next thing you know, we're feeling a greater sense of wholeness because we're putting ourselves in the right place and doing the right things in those right places to allow for a greater magnification of, of our dreams and our desires and, and our desires to heal and to be a contribution to others as well. Absolutely. Now, tell me, just, just tell me one thing, just describe for everybody, what is, what are the energy codes? What do you mean by energy codes? Oh, sure. So the energy codes is the name of the book that I wrote, and it's a codification of uh, what I went through. I had a great awakening 20 years ago that literally lit me into a different reality. I was not in this physical body, but I was very much me. I was a ray of light. I could see 360 degrees around me, out the back, at the front, top and below. Actually, spherically, I could see without ever having to move my attention. I just I could just perceive it. And I knew that this brilliant light that I was in was traversing through my system and, and cycling in this way. And so I created these images to try to depict it. And then later found that there was research that was already measuring these energy fields, but I had the direct experience of it. And I wanted to learn how to have that experience again and again and again to really illuminate in these high brain centers that would allow me to perceive life beyond this five sensory world that we're confined to until we're not. And so the energy codes are a series of principles and practices that I started to develop uh, just for myself to be able to get in my body so that I could perceive these higher states of consciousness on a regular basis. Because I found that if I wasn't grounded, I couldn't reach anything beyond my intellectual mind in terms of meditation and, and, um, and these, these altered states of consciousness that people are seeking to try to still their mind and rest and recover and, and so forth, which is why I started meditating, uh, because I wanted to slow down my mind that was always causing me so much pain. It would just ruminate on so many things. So in the midst of that meditation, I, I lit up. I just I found a transcendental uh, realm that was a truer state of who and what we really are. So the energy codes are ways that I teach people to self-heal, to get in their body, to allow their meditations to go higher, to raise their vibration by anchoring themselves. It's like the tree can grow taller if the roots grow deeper. And if the tree grows taller without the roots growing deeper, which would not be possible, but even if it did, it would not be um, sustainable because it couldn't support this higher state of itself without a deeper rooting system. So the energy codes are really teaching us how to root and to expand our consciousness simultaneously. 
And uh, when that happens, as I said, we are a greater contribution to our own ability to heal. And we are a greater contribution to being able to heal others as well. So inside the Institute, I'm also teaching remote healing and how to how to work with people in these sorts of ways as well, as well as hands on healing and all sorts of things. So all of that is kind of collected in this this collection of information that that I began to codify as the things that were that were necessary for me to be able to reproduce these higher states of consciousness where I wasn't trapped by my own beliefs. Even though I was raised in an environment that said, you know, your beliefs create your reality. Since I was 10 years old, I was in that conversation. The application of that in real life is something that we really have to be shown how to do. Um, and, and our culture hasn't raised us this way. And so, so I was able to discover these things and codify it and put it in a book and also in inside the coursework that I teach, uh, teaching people how to, to actually do these things so that we're more effective at our attempts to self-heal and our attempts to, to be a healing you know, contribution to others and to our communities and our planet, et cetera. Because we have the ability, but if we're kind of splatted and dispersed, those efforts aren't as potent as they could be if we were gathered together again, uh, just like what you're saying, Lynn, that we're more powerful in groups. We have a greater potency in the world because our energies collectively are more than our energies separately. And, uh, and likewise, inside of ourselves as individual, if our energies are dispersed, they're less potent than if they're collected and, in, and gathered into this central channel core presence of who and what we are. So when we gather it, we become more potent so that the energy field that is emanating off of us is infinite. It, it doesn't have a boundary or a barrier. And we're okay with that because we feel a sense of home without getting too dispersed, you know, out there in, in a larger state of, of consciousness. So absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we take questions, I just wanted to also say, I think one thing that you said was really important, which is the idea of um, essentially raising to a higher state because we don't experience that. We don't experience it in ordinary waking consciousness. And one thing I was amazed to see when we were doing brainwave studies on power of eight groups was I expected the signatures that we would get. I worked with a team of neuroscientists and I expected our outcome was going to look just like meditation. It looked nothing like meditation. What was happening is instead of increases in slow brain waves like alpha and delta waves, we were getting decreases in everything. People's brains essentially were turning off and the people we studied were, were student volunteers who had never meditated before, much less done power of eight groups. But their brainwave signatures were almost identical to Buddhist monks involved in uh, ecstatic prayer or Sufi masters involved in chanting, um, as studied by the University of Pennsylvania. So we realized these people very quickly enter a state of oneness, a mystical altered state, the state that you know, that all of the spiritual masters work years to ascend to. Our student volunteers were getting there in a few minutes. And so I think that's one of the things that the extraordinary things about a group that 
and this is probably the secret sauce for healing is it's not only getting off of yourself. It's not only a group effect. It's not only the power of intention, but it's something about this state of oneness. That is our birthright. You know, we always say, how do you, and lots of people say to me, how do you enter the field? As you mentioned earlier, Sue, we are the field, you know, right. we're the field. We're already right. here, but we don't right. experience life like that. We don't ever experience what it's like to feel oneness. And for our groups, this is what they describe all the time. I felt like I was part of a higher network. I was sobbing uncontrollably. I get goosebumps up and down my arms. I feel the heavy energy. And these, by the way, are groups that are meeting virtually on Zoom, much as we're meeting now. And yet they're experiencing all these physical effects. So aside from the psychic internet, as I like to call it, that seems to get created, there is something about group intention working together that I see in both the big intention experiments and the power of eight groups that creates this oneness, which I think is one of the gateways to healing, moving off of the self. So we got a load of people who are listening live and they have put in some questions. So let's have a look at what they've asked. Um, okay. Um, how do you help children, asks one person, who are sick around you but are resistant to doing techniques such as breathing through the belly or thinking positive things? Any thoughts about that, Sue? You know, one of the, the beautiful things uh, about the field that we are is that it is infinite and it is potent. And the more we concentrate ourselves, we have the ability in a non-local fashion to influence their field as well. So often we have other people in our household that aren't really into what we're interested in and what we're practicing and getting good at doing. And the beauty is that we can have an influence on everyone in a linear fashion that's in our immediate location, absolutely. And we can even learn to deepen our anchoredness inside of this and allow this ecstatic frequency that you're referring to, Lynn, to, to be completely non-local and global and, uh, and so forth. And by tapping into the frequencies that are the common ground, if you will, that we all uh, reside within. For instance, there's a bandwidth of energy that all of humanity is operating inside of. And when we turn on certain aspects of that bandwidth through our own animation, we're conscious of it, it becomes applicable. You know, think of it like around the globe, the whole bandwidth is now being stirred in that way. So there is no doubt that we have the ability to impact um, our children uh, with what the work that we are doing simply by pulling them into, um, you know, just with your consciousness, pulling them into the space where you are learning to generate this energy in, uh, in a very masterful way. So we don't have to get them to do it. Um, especially as children, because the potency that they have, especially if you're the mother of this child, uh, their resonant coherence with you is, is so profound 
um, that there is a real infusion that you can have and an influence that you can have on their energy field. But even if they're not in the same state as you or even in the same country as you, um, we are actually really non-local. We are not this individual system only. And we have the ability to animate this bandwidth in whatever way uh, we choose. It's just a matter of really learning how to do that and putting ourselves in the practice of it. But these children will definitely respond to the work that you're doing, especially if you're enhancing and magnifying that with others and, and, uh, and being in, in the mix of actively working life through this, these perceptions that we're, that we're speaking of. These perspectives that we're speaking of are an entirely different way of living rather than just going into autopilot. Um, we're you know intentional about about how we're moving energy through our bodies and through our lives and and through our groups of people as well. Absolutely. And I would just say from from our perspective of power of eight groups, I've seen many children get healed who didn't believe one word of what their parents were thinking. <laughs> um, right. If they're young enough, if they're really small or babies, um, you can do this without asking permission. Otherwise, I recommend you get their permission. But we've had many, many, many of our classes do intentions, not just for the members of the group, but people outside. One example being Luke, a uh, who's my favorite example because he was a 15 year old um, who broke up with his first serious girlfriend and in a fit of adolescent angst, threw himself off of a 40 foot structure onto hard ground. So Luke broke every bone in his body. He had nerve damage, brain damage. Doctors didn't think he was gonna live. So I got my master class to do a series of intentions for Luke um, while his stepfather who had contacted me about this kept a running commentary of what happened to Luke every time we did an intention. And upshot was Luke got out of the hospital in record time. He's a totally healthy 19-year-old, even though his doctors were pretty sure he wasn't going to live. But the interesting thing of it was Luke um, gave his permission, but didn't believe one word of his what his parents were saying. He thought the power of intention and group intention was pretty stupid. Like most adolescents, he didn't believe what his parents thought at all. So you can do an intention as a group for a child too, and see what happens. Okay, let's take another question. Um, okay, Sue, let's see. Um, yeah, somebody asked about, um, ah, can energy healing work on addictive behaviors such as drug and alcohol abuse? Yeah, so I love this because, you know, that image that we were looking at earlier, uh, just flash it up here for a second. This whole thing right here, addiction comes from this kind of distortion. You know, there are multiple ways that this can show up, you know, in, in different combinations. But what happens is when we don't have a grounded sense of self, then we're bypassing and, and uh, you know, orchestrating all sorts of wobbles in our lives. And we we turn to things that are going to give us a false sense of 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 aliveness of, of enlivenment in some way because if we're bypassing these areas of us those areas are sitting dormant and they're not being actively utilized in our in our decision making processes in our perception of self and our perception of life and so we start looking for the outer 
world to deliver something that we could be feeling on the inside if we were learning how to build those internal circuits to allow for this system to flow in its wholeness. But people don't know about that until they learn about it in, in, in conversations like this. And so, and so what we do is then we become interested in this energy from the outer world that's going to give me some false sense of, of, of aliveness or, or sense of self. And, and if it did once, then I'm going to do it again and do it again. And what happens is we're now dependent upon this external idea, this external energy to fulfill something that could be being fulfilled from within. The moment that we begin doing this sort of work, we're stabilizing our system and becoming less, less, less uh, dependent upon something from the outer world in terms of, of a potent chemical or a potent activity that is juicing and jazzing certain chemistries in the body because we start producing those chemistries for ourselves. And so the desire to leap forward, to grab that again, the knee-jerk reaction uh, starts to dissipate with higher states of consciousness. And that's exactly what we're doing in both the work that Lynn and I are doing. It is elevating our consciousness and elevating our vibrational frequencies. And the higher and the deeper grounded those frequencies become, the, the larger the bandwidth we can span, the more fulfilled we feel on an ongoing basis. And so we're not addicted to uh, chemistries. We're not addicted to activities. We're not even as addicted to our own thoughts as we have been in our previous uh, life experiences, because we're starting to sense and feel on a cellular level, a greater sense of wholeness. So less is required for our happiness and our peace and our, and our healing and our creativity than we used to think was required from the outside world in those sorts of ways. Absolutely. Now, I've had numerous people who have had issues with all kinds of addictions from alcohol and drugs to sugar um, be part of my masterclass. And the healing that's gone on has been amazing. So we had Shelly, who has, was so addicted to sugar that she would wake up in the middle of the night and hit, you know, uh, fill her sugar addiction to the point where she would then be awake and then wouldn't be able to um, wake up in the morning. So she would sleep till the afternoon. It was affecting her marriage, everything about her. And she not only quit sugar, thanks to her group work, but also um, started exercising, started meditating. Her relationship with her husband completely improved. We had another woman who'd been addicted to tranquilizers for years and was able to successfully titrate down and get off of them where she had never been able to do that before. Another woman who, uh, Michelle, who had PTSD and was on antidepressants, was able to get off of them, and many, many more. I think the power of the group, the, the healing power of having a group of strangers, what have started out as strangers, sending intention, essentially love, loving intention for, for you, um, is so strengthening. There's something about that that is so powerful, this entry into oneness, this love that you feel, these people have your back, they just want you to get better. There's something so amazing about that energy that it creates essentially a crucible of healing. 
One of the things that happens is, you know, we we see these same types of things in our in our workshops and in in our trainings as well. Is that that outer edge of us starts to soften and and it becomes a transmuting capacity uh, rather than a guarded barrier. And we allow the transformation of the energies that we are around in our daily lives to, to occur. And we're kind of turning them into something that works for us instead of protecting ourselves against something that could harm us. And uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing when we start to realize that we have the power to transform the qualities of the energies around us. And when we're in communities where, where others are doing this, it allows for you know a different reality. It just allows us to have a different life experience day in and day out. And that's how these, these healings happen is that we're consistently generating a different vibrational frequency than we were before we became conscious and intentional about, about our way of being. And uh, so I love it, Lynn, that that uh, that you're having these results, too. Um, you know, this is this is it. This is how humanity is supposed to be living. And uh, it's such a joy to be here together celebrating that today. Absolutely. Now, two really interesting questions, Sue. Um, one is um, my mother is 87 years old. She believes what the doctor says that you're old and it's normal to be six. Six. If she has arthritis in the knee and it's painful for her, for her to walk and she walks with a stick, if I could help my mother while I intend for love and compassion and she still believes she can't be better, any recommendations? Yeah. So, right. So we have an 86 year old, you know, wisdom keeper that has been on this planet for a long time and she's got her groove on, right? She's got this belief system happening, et cetera. Now, miracles happen beyond logic, right? And transformation happens beyond the conscious belief system. All we have to have is the potency that, that the belief system is. We have to have that potency and a little bit more, all right? If we have a little bit more potency of possibility than we do the potency of, I cannot be helped, this cannot be changed. Everything is energy. And energy is vibrating at different frequencies. And if you can hit a higher, more potent frequency than the one that her belief is on, it kind of shatters her belief. And healing can happen right up underneath her belief system because be beliefs are temporal. Energy is eternal. Energy is massive. It is everywhere. There is nothing that is not energy. Even the beliefs are energy. And so we can change the energy of a believing system, even if the beliefs don't change first. It's fascinating that we can move the energy in a different vibration and she will, she can notice healing happening and her mind will be blown away that things are healing because she doesn't believe it's possible, but here it is. I mean, we see people all the time saying, you know, this is not possible. I'm walking and it's not possible for me to be walking. That's clearly demonstrating that their belief is that it isn't gonna change. And yet their system is allowing something to change right up underneath their beliefs. So just think of it like we've given too much clout to beliefs. We've given too much power to it. And we can transmute them if we know what to do instead. So Einstein says you can't change, you know, the reality on the same level of consciousness that, you know, that problems are created. We don't solve them on the same level. That's exactly what we're talking about here. We're talking about a different level of consciousness than the level of consciousness where beliefs exist. And this 
This energy field that we're talking about here is the level of consciousness that is more profound than the simple bandwidth where beliefs happen. And so let me let me see if I have another thing. Oh, I do. Okay, this is great. Okay, just a second here. Here's the deal. This whole bandwidth right here is what we're made of and so much more. This goes on to forever. Beliefs exist in this little red one right here. That's it. So this one has the power to stop or start unless we have consciousness in all the rest of this. And when we start to awaken to these higher and higher and higher and higher, higher and higher and higher frequencies of who we are, then the beliefs just kind of collapse in the presence of, they dissolve in the presence of something else going on here. This something else is going on here. And this is what, what Lynn's power of eight is doing, what my energy codes embodiment practices are doing. We're reaching a higher vibration in the rest of the whole bandwidth. And the beliefs are like, ah, I guess, you know, I have to, I'm walking, even though I don't believe this is possible, it's happening. And so then the mind starts to soften. And this is what it, what it is about. So, so you bring your mother into, uh, into your intentions and you see her exactly how the highest good would have it be and allow the power of the highest good being done to play into what you're all about in your intentions and watch what happens. It, it dissolves uh, this menial thing that we call beliefs that have been in charge for too long. And it's time for the truth to rise up underneath those beliefs and, and have a chance to manifest in, in this life experience. Absolutely, Sue. That was so well put. And it's true. It's just they melt in the face of this power. I mean, I've seen it with many, many skeptics. Also, many, many people who were skeptical relatives. But I remember Faith, who is in the audience of uh, a talk of mine a few years ago, and she didn't believe one word of what I had to say. I put everybody into power of eight groups. She had a terrible back and her back was all better. And she, by the end of it, and she wasn't even a recipient. She was a sender and she, she couldn't believe it. But I've seen that over and over again, people coming out and going, what on earth just happened? And what's happened is the power of the group and the accessing, as, as Sue says, of these energies that enable us to operate on a different level. And, you know, we've seen it many, many times. I would just recommend, for instance, if you wanted to do a power of eight group around your mom, just say, you know, do you mind if we do a little bit of secular prayer for you? Get her permission, but you just see what happens. As I say, we've seen many, many non-believing relatives pleasantly surprised. Um, right. One final question, Sue. This is a great one for both of us, too. How do you continue to free yourself from self-sabotage when you're with a partner who's still involved with their own self-sabotage and not have it affect one own, one's own positive shifts? Leaving is not always an option, nor spending energy on trying to change the other. Any thoughts? Yes, absolutely. Brilliant that you realize that trying to change their thoughts is not the place to start. Um, and I know that this can be really challenging. But here's what I know. We are never landed in a place that is bigger than us. 
Now we have the freedom to choose to go or to stay, but I always say it's not really okay to go until it's okay to stay in that if I don't get, if I don't awaken to what this is trying to awaken me to, and I just leave and go over here and do this other thing, I'm probably going to attract it into my life again, because I'm actually here to evolve myself. And so this is with a case when somebody's in a different marriage and three years later, ah, they do the same things that that one did before. And you know, the, the new job is the same has turns out to have the same issues. And it's because we are here to learn to awaken ourselves. And so I would suggest that you turn it into your practice of evolution, that you're evolving yourself in the face of this situation. You love this person, you don't wanna leave. It doesn't look like an option for you to be leaving. Uh, it's important that you stay because you choose to stay that you choose to stay and learn because there's always an option to leave. If something is abusive, if something is harmful to you, it, it might look like you don't have an option to leave, but you know, always be sure that you're evaluating that in a safe fashion for you. But if in the event that you feel definitely I'm supposed to stay in this, but it's just hard, then I would turn it into a little practice. And then I would say, basically every time they're speaking negatively or they're interpreting some situation that just feels harsh or angular and not the way that you would like to be living with everything that you're learning inside of you know, a, a culture such as what you're tapped into right now by being here, um, that you turn it, oh, this is one of those moments. I'm supposed to ask myself, where in my body am I activated when they start acting this way? And I'm gonna hug that area and start breathing with it because there are circuits that if I had them in place, this person could act that way and it wouldn't affect me at all. I would be like, oh, I understand. You know, it would just would bounce off of me. It wouldn't be intimidating to me. So the fact that it's intimidating to me means there's medicine in it for me. And so I'm gonna look into it, but it's not about changing them. It's about awakening me. It's about activating me. And this is what I do in the energy codes is teach you how to build the circuitry to be able to be present with this situation without it, you know, bowling me over or blasting me. Now, when you're, when you're, so if you're, if you're doing that work and you're in Lynn's work and you're doing a power of eight, you're going to take your intention to be able to be present with this person and build your circuits and, and allow your support group to help you do that. You're, you, nothing's going to stop you. There's no way that you're going to be stopped uh, by turning this into something that's going to work in your favor rather than something that's holding you back. And that's what we want. I call it the quantum flip. We want to flip these things into, oh, this is what I'm supposed to master next. And then this and then this. And as as I do so, I go through my life becoming more and more capable um, with fewer and fewer issues simply because they don't affect me like issues anymore because I have the circuitry in place to perceive it as something different. So uh, I would turn it into your spiritual practice or turn it into your, your practice of self-evolution and empowerment to not combat it, but to receive the gift that's in it. And it's trying to show you where you could be more enlivened in here and awake in a way that allows you to be present with anything without it um, bowling you over in some way. So hopefully that's helpful. Absolutely. Very, very much so, I'm sure. And just to say that one of the things we do and really focus on as well in the in our Power of Eight Intention Masterclass is using intention in relationships, because we see this all the time. I mean, I show people how to get along with anybody, even people who disagree with everything you stand for. And that's something we really need now. We're all so polarized. But I've had many, many instances 
of self-sabotaging partners. And if we can draw them into power of eight groups where they're just happy to be intended for, um, they usually their self-sabotage really improves. And the same as just sending positive intention to them is extraordinary. That's one of the things that we do. I think of Jolie, who was a housewife superstar, desperate to have her own business. And her husband kept clamping down on her and saying, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. So they st her group started doing intention for him and he completely turned around and suddenly became really supportive of her. She's got her own business now, completely changed that dynamic. So things like that can happen. It's extraordinary that when we talk about intention, it doesn't necessarily end energy. It doesn't have to just be the healing of the body. It can also be the healing of the relationship, the healing of you in relationship to the world or your career or your method of of attracting finance or anything like that, even your soul's purpose, your life purpose, it's important for everything. And as, as Sue has been saying for this hour and a bit, you know, we're energy systems. And so what we're trying to do with Sue's work, with my work, is show you how to navigate with these energy systems. We're used to feeling like this corporeal batch of, as I say, of, of meat, of electrical and chemical signaling but we're so much more than that and we just have to learn how to steer with it now yes so before yeah. we let we've got to let these people go tell <laughs> them everything you're doing now what how to get hold of you oh my well we're doing so much uh really the best way to figure out what we're doing next is is to come onto the website, which is Dr. Sue Mortar, uh, D-R-S-U-E-M-O-R-T-E-R.com and see. Uh, we do have some fun things that are happening. We have a, a complimentary healing transmission every month, which is um, fabulous for you to join in uh, to any time. You can go to uh, um, drsuemortar.com uh, forward slash healing transmission and see uh, see about that, plugging into that. We also have something fun coming up with the solstice, which is uh, on December 21st. Um, for those of you that would like to learn how to move the energy in the body and that type of thing, we're doing 108 sun salutations in yoga uh, on the 21st because it's a wonderful way to move it through the body. And if you're like, oh, well, I'm not a yogi, I'm going to do that. You can pull up a chair and we have a chair version of all of this that will be being demonstrated at the same time, which is an amazing way for you to get the energy moving through the body in the ways that that we are talking about are are necessary and essential for us to, to start to engage in this, this healing fashion. Uh, we also have some things starting at the beginning of the year that will allow you to plug into the new year in, in a way that, that allow you to um, begin to activate the circuitry of your intentions for, for the new year. So you can check that out on the website as well. And, um, you know, many, many things that are available to you. I also do a, a short answer um, on Facebook um, every month as well, which you can plug into and just learn little tidbits that you can do in 20 minutes you can learn a, a practice that will that will start to build to the practices that that will do the things that we're speaking about here today. But but I also have 
you know, coursework that is very serious and intense if you want to get into that and really learn about the field and, and how we are able to manage that. But you just find us on the website. We're pretty easy to find and we're here for you absolutely in uh, many, many different ways. So oh, thank you, Lynn. You. What do you have coming up? Well, well, I've got my Power of Eight Intention Masterclass, which kicks off on February 4th. And as I mentioned earlier, I work with you for a whole year. So we have live and interactive sessions only so that I meet with you on six consecutive Saturdays. I teach you uh, really important, the 13 keys to intention mastery, plus how to use intention with relationships, how to get over self-sabotage, how to deal with negative intention yourself and everybody else's, um, and how to run your Power of Eight group properly and supersize your own intentions, and much, much more. Then we put you in a group um, based on your time zone and your preferred time of meeting. We also have regular intention clinics through the year. So I can mentor you, I can work with you, make sure that individually you're handling and mastering all of the techniques. You've got a private community page, even though we're on Facebook now, this is a private community page, so it's off of social media. So you can contact all of the, 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 the members of the master class and more. Uh, we have methods for you to monitor your own progress and lots and lots of other tools. So check me out on lynnmctaggart.com. We also have coming up, I'm bringing all of my Power of Eight groups together. I'm calling in the change makers from around the world because I want to give you tools. And this is going to be free tools. I'll be announcing in January in order to become change makers in your local area to start working from ground up because it's sure clear to all of us that the guys in charge don't really know what they're doing and it's time for change from the ground up. So I want to help people give people tools for a new world. So I'll be providing all of that in the new year too. And of course we have podcasts, a regular blog, um, uh, a, all kinds of tools for any price range on my website, lynnmctaggart.com. So please check it out. Um, there's lots of lots of things for you. It's been such a joy to be with you again, yes, Sue. It's so fabulous as always. So you take care. Have the most wonderful holiday. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to both of us. Dr. Sue Mortar and I'm Lynn McTaggart. Take care and be well. Yes. Bye for now, everyone. <laughs>